This is Schooly Day, and I'm on the Dad Bot Rap Pod. Stony Island Audio. And now it's time for the Dad Bot Rap Pod with your hosts Damon Carter, David Ma, and Nate Leblanc. Three underground rap nerds walked into a bar. Argument ensued about who the goats are. The seed was a thought that would turn into a pod. Now fans worldwide say, Not a bad job, the ad hoc cab squad who chronicles the vanguard of hip hop at large. Rap taste slacked off, don't need to be mad, dog. Look no further, it's the dad bod. Rap, pa, pa, pa. Podcasting live from San Jose, California. It is the Dad Bod Rap Pod. I'm one third of your host, Damone Carter, aka Dim One, joined by my man's David Ma. What's good, Doc? Yo, good to see you guys. Good to see you guys in the flesh as always. Hold on. Is that Ram tattoo? Is that new? This? Yeah. No, no. I've had really? that for many years. I don't even know you. <laughs> <laughs> We're clearly not friends. <laughs> I've had okay. it for many years. But okay. Yeah. Okay. Uh, Ram Tough, David Ma. Uh, <laughs> also here with my man, 50 Grand, you also have no tattoos like me. No tattoos, Nate no LeBlanc. piercings, no uh, body that we know alteration about. in any way. I've never dyed my hair. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Just, just so nothing. this salt and pepper's here, yeah, is that th- you? This is like, it, it's funny, like you would think for someone who has like such a hard belief about this for me i'd be like good looking or in shape and i wouldn't want to be like oh i don't want to mess this up but i'm neither and it's just i've just never been into that at all why for most things like hair dye is different for tattoos the idea of permanence just scares the shit out of me right. of right. committing to a yes, thing yes yeah. it's just like ah oh, man well, like i was i've thought about this many times in my life i'm like Maybe if someone close to me died, I would get a tattoo to commemorate them yeah. in some way that was personal yeah. to me. Yep. Hasn't happened yet at this point. Been very lucky in my life that most of the people I'm close to are, you know, living their extended existences. So, yeah. But how are you? I'm doing all right. <laughs> Just to let you know, I have considered tattoos, but every time I do, I watch an NBA game and go, everybody my shade are darker. Can't tell what it is. Oh, wow. You can't tell what it is. You guys uh, are hiding elaborate back pieces. I know it. I know but it. Much like Ben Affleck. Yeah. Right. Um, I think it's so dumb when NBA players have basketball-themed tattoos. When they have basketball-themed yes, tattoos. Yes, I think that's so weird. It's like, you're already basketball. Like, you are basketball. Someone could have a tattoo of you. One of the players, I can't remember his name, he has a, like, a, like it looks like the and old and one logo of, like, but it's like a guy holding a basketball out like this. Yeah. Like, he's palming it, and I'm just like, I don't know why, that just looks so silly. I'm crumpling. Ooh, I'm so silly. <laughs> I'm crumpling up my microphone tattooed sketch right, that right. I had drawn. <laughs> <laughs> Thanks a lot, Nick. But you would probably not have a job where that would be visible the whole time you were doing that thing. Absolutely. It's Absolutely. like you'd have to wrap in a tank top and short set 
as, every time. as I do. Because as that's, a, that's <laughs> what you know they're going to wear yeah, for their yeah. job. Yeah, you they're know displaying what I mean? it. No, they're displaying it prominently. And this I is feel so like random, but like I said on the last episode, I haven't seen you guys in a long time, and I have a lot of pent-up material here. So <laughs> <laughs> I think Shoot. during the pandemic, they let the NBA coaches go so far with the dress code that Steve Kerr literally looks like he's wearing his pajamas. Totally. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Totally. It totally. Looks silly. Yeah, he looks like my, my dad going to the Y. <laughs> yeah. You know? Straight up. He's going to go get yeah. a, And he's also coaching like that right now. <laughs> 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 he's going to go take a steam bath after he plays racquetball for 15 yeah. minutes. He's like, Jonathan Kaminga, who? Is he on the team? <laughs> yeah. That's trying to sit clay. You know what yeah, I mean? Exactly. <laughs> <laughs> uh, but I don't want them in suits anymore. Yeah. But, like, it would be fu- This is the, the actual joke is, like, like baseball, if mm-hmm. they had to wear the uniform. Yeah, the like, manager did. It would be so funny, dude. Like, <laughs> there's no way. He has the shorts and, like, a tank top on every day. He has, like, one of those arm sleeve things. <laughs> Stop. He, he just has, like, the bionic ankle brace, like, step. Headband. He's got the, so the thin funny. Mike Dunleavy headband on. <laughs> like, Tom Thibodeau in a Knicks jersey. <laughs> Just roaming the sidelines, screaming out defensive I mean, assignments would be why, so funny. Why the fuck not? Bruce Bochy's like 70-plus years old, and he's still rocking stirrups. Right. Know, like right. Every game. They're so and we, funny. And we just normalized it, right? <laughs> oh, that's that's great. That weird right. stretchy belt that's the color of the like the main color. Yeah. It's, just so, it's so funny. Football would be hilarious because they'd have to decide pads or no pads. <laughs> or would they wear, like, kicker pads? Uh, that's hilarious. Because <laughs> the jersey looks hella dumb if you don't have the pads in. I think the jersey looks hella dumb the second the game's over. Right. Like, whenever they're, like, talking afterwards, I'm like, you just look like you dressed up as Frankenstein. <laughs> and you're like... Right, right. You're trying to give an interview, and like, I can't take you seriously. One right. of the funniest things, and we all had to watch it because Taylor Swift tri- kissed Travis Kelsey when he was getting his... You know, they get their championship hats. and yeah. Like, yeah. does someone else have to put the shirt on over their pants? Yeah. It's yeah. like they all go stand in the corner and put their arms up like they're five years old, and like the equipment manager puts a four X shimmies the it over them. Like yeah, centers like giant. Belly. Yeah, right. It's just so funny to. How think many about. XLs though? When you're looking at a person like, um, you know, who's the number seventy one in the 49ers, the biggest human I've seen in some oh, time. Is that Chase Young? Uh, he's the new like defensive, oh, defensive end guy end. with the big golden locks. Tr- or Trent Williams. Trent Williams oppi- is huge. The dude. offensive lineman. He's such a good how many player. X, how many X's is that fucking T-shirt? Yeah. That it has to be on him and go <laughs> over the pads? Now totally. I'm fascinated. Well, I, I, I think they put the uniform over the pads, empty, and then you go into oh. it. Oh. Yeah. And, and, I, and I only know this. Can you even raise your arms when you're wearing big-ass right. shoulder exactly. pads? Exactly. So oh. like in, in a lot of like football locker rooms, and I kind of just know. You're just like, that's me- just where I hang out sometimes. <laughs> <laughs> through uh, meathead friends of mine. Um. They already have it like all set up with the uniforms. Gotcha. Over the Got you. Okay. That makes okay. a ton of sense. And then you just you slip into it. Did not see Dave bringing football knowledge <laughs> to the party, but I love that you Dave, never know Dave what you're going to get. With the button hook. Yeah. <laughs> Dave with the out route there. Uniform manager, dog. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, appreciate appreciate. This that. is so dumb. But were you guys ever the manager because you didn't play this? Sp- like you didn't make the team or whatever, so you were the manager, or did you like keep the time? Like you're in. Sc- I'm oh, oh in you're school. saying in like in school, like in middle school or whatever. Mm. Second string water boy. Yeah, I, w- <laughs> I was the manager because all my friends would be on the team, and I still want to hang out with them. Right. But I'm not gonna run cross country. So what <laughs> would you do? Are oh, you the guy with the stopwatch? Yeah, kind of. Yeah, okay. Whatever they needed. The guy with the you gun. Know what I mean, it was actually yeah. I th- it was actually <laughs> wrestling that I did that for because like all. 
my, some of my friends were very serious wrestlers in middle school when we were doing this, and I'm like, I'm not wearing that fucking bathing suit, dude. Like, no, <laughs> yeah, yeah, it was it's a clothing related. I have to be the manager, okay, not, not the person doing it. Also, I, I'm not good at wrestling. Like, that was a horrifying experience having that as like the unit in PE like, when they were like, "All right, slammed. you get on all fours. Now yeah. you get on top of him. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> now y'all work it out. Kind of grab around the stomach area. Yeah. Where no one has any sensitivity about that yeah. because we know that we know the Greeks uh, <laughs> were just doing that very platonically. Um, <laughs> There we go. We started with, uh, I don't even know where we started, but we ended up with Greco-Roman wrestling, and uh, that's what you get here. How about this? Do any of your students call you Schoolie D? Nice. Nice. That's hilarious. Well, I'm like, if it's six PSAT, what the fuck does that mean? I'm like, I guess I'm like, worky N? That doesn't sound good. Don't call me at six in the morning. As the puns allude, we we talked to Schoolie D uh, a literal hip hop legend, a, an interview that you've been trying to line up for a while, Dave. How did it, how did for, it come about? For a while, he I think dropped an album like a few years ago, sort of during a COVID era. Yeah, and I've been trying to get a hold of him, and even then, um, the publicist was like, "Yo, well, it's kind of hard. It's kind of hard." So then I just yeah. actually reached out again because we're kicking off the new season. So I was like, "Of course, I'm going to talk to Schooly." Yeah, pioneer of pioneers, you know what I mean. So uh, to get a moment of his time was excellent. Yeah, he he joined us right after his nap, which I appreciate because <laughs> he was rested by East Coast time. Right, yeah. wait for a nap. But yeah. that's yeah. up to him. But you're not you're not Schooly D. <laughs> I'm not a hip hop legend. I'm not yeah. telling him when to be awake. Exactly, Parkside Wakers. Um, <laughs> so we got a chance to to chat with Schooly D. You guys will hear that in just a moment. But I think whenever we talk to or talk about pioneers. Um, I feel this responsibility to kind of like um, contextualize this because with rap music, I feel like a lot of the times if you don't go to it with a certain ear, the work of the pioneers can come across as goofy. Right. Right. It's very easily parodied. It comes from a particular place in time. And if you weren't there, and I'm not saying I was there, I wasn't listening to uh, PSK in 1986, but... Um, Definitely understanding the historical context that it comes in and like what it led to. So, Nate, I'll start with you. For somebody who may not be familiar, why is Schooly D important? Schooly D is hugely important. Let's let's talk about him as a Philly artist, okay? So, like, there's uh, everyone knows hip hop starts in New York, but there were important scenes happening basically from the beginning in all the tri. Uh, city areas and in Philadelphia and Schoolie kicks off this wave of like streetwise funny um, skilled uh, druggy mm-hmm. rap that just continues through Philly literally to this day yep. it's like you can draw a line from Schoolie D to Little Uzi Vert with stops at Tough Crew right. and yeah. The Roots and uh, Cool C and Steady Beanie C Siegel. Beanie Siegel, yep. and I just listened to the um, Questlove season of What Had Happened Was, shout out to Quest, shout out to Mike, um, and learned a lot and um, listened intently to all of it, and uh, Questlove lays out some of that lineage and talks about Schoolie as a big influence on them, and he's uh, yep. has a, a kind of little skit-ish, like interlude kind of moment on um, Things Fall Apart, and yeah. they cover Saturday Night, yeah. and so that's it's interesting um, also, on one of Dave and I's favorite albums, Psychoanalysis, Prince Paul covers PSK yes. as yep. J-O-B. And yep. it's a, like a, they're both kind of like slightly comedic takes on totally. the classic songs. But whether you care about Philly hip-hop lineage or not, Schooly D 
made some hard as fuck, dusted out, weird, glitchy, homemade sounding music that got hugely popular. Right. Yeah. Right. He even did the art for his album covers. Totally, totally. And there's a whole Edan song about how Schooly D knew the time. Like yes. the people who you like love Schooly D. Right. And so 100%. he just has to be respected as a huge innovator in hip hop. And he's just like he's just fucking dope and he's still a cool ass dude. Totally yeah. cool ass dude. And if you ask the Ice T's and you know Easy E's R I P of the world, they will say that uh Schooly D was hugely important. Huge influence. You know, and, and not not unlike a Rakim where like people like copy his um full sentences and punchlines. Yeah. But a lot of terms come from Schooly D that have been lodged into the uh, generation of MCs after him, you know, um, Six in the Morning, Ice T, yep. um, Chiba Chiba, y'all, you know, off of Saturday Night. Like, he's done so much and, like, um, sort of one of the first people to do it, you know, a pioneer of pioneer, like Nate was saying, yeah. also did all the cover art himself, which is fucking incredible. Yeah, it has that, uh, he in he talks about the referencing Tito Bell, and it has, it has that feeling, and just talking to him, uh, He's, he is a rapper who exudes the character that he does on mic. Like, that was so dope to see, like, even 40 years later. Because a lot of rappers have, let's say, mellowed out, gone yeah. into different directions, right? Like, right. talking to Schooly D, you got the sense that he still had a lot of that similar energy. He's a raunchy guy. Right. Um, he's pushing buttons. And to your point, Dave, I listen to songs like um, uh, N.W.A.'s Boys in the Hood, Easy E's yes, fucked yes. up and got the eight ball rolling. Yep, these yep. are Schooly D songs. Right, totally, totally. Yeah, it's yep. like they just Dr. Dre kind of like perfected it, but that the blueprint was Schooly D. Totally, 100%. it's like when you get older and you're like, oh, that's a that's a Rakim line. Yeah, you know, there's yeah. so many Schooly D moments that I feel like are not um, celebrated enough, and we take it for granted. And I I tried to kind of broach this with them. I thought his response was kind of funny. Um, that. The attitude of the modern rapper, in a lot of ways, started with Schooly D. Totally. Like, I'm going to go get a 40, and then, you know, we're going to go meet some bitches, and we're going to do, and somebody had a gun, and blah, blah, right. blah. And in 1985, 86, you know, that is some wild shit to be saying. You know what I mean? And so The I, way one thing leads to another in Schooly's music is very free and very, like, street, but mm -hmm. it's still always funny. Yeah, oh, he, like, his voice, because I think his voice, voice has a comedic um you know timbre to it yeah. yeah he's like narrating he's not there right you know what right. i mean he's but like, he also thinks so it's funny yeah he's totally. not sitting there like i'm the hardest oh, totally, he's, he's totally. kind of like this shit is funny my mom had a gun and then there was a fat woman behind me and then we went you know right. you're like yeah. what right he's trying to entertain you and even in the interview yeah. i got the sense that he was like I'm trying to entertain he's you. Doing like the Schooly show. Like he's right, done that exactly. many, many times over totally, the years. Totally. So it, it, you guys will hear it in a second. But I talked to him about his uh, eating habits because I read this. I thought this is 13 years ago, 14 years ago. He had a thing on the Grub Street, Philadelphia, about how he eats healthy. That's crazy. And, and he, he was like, yeah, totally. And th when you guys hear why he started eating healthy, it's the most Schooly <laughs> so good. Schooly dealiest thing. <laughs> answer you could possibly <laughs> imagine it was so funny yeah and it's so fun to have a podcast and get to actually ask these totally. people these things because me and my cousin joe have been calling like turmeric tea like a schooly d <laughs> for like 14 <laughs> years and it's just so schooly funny tea. to think yeah. about yeah totally um yeah when we were moving the other day my wife said something about like move the schooly d like the stoolie d uh, like yeah. we had this the step stool to yeah. get up on a shelf and i was like did i tell you i talked to him the other day and she's yeah. like no you didn't even mention that and i was like yeah we're just like day in the life. D is just part of the 
parlance of hip hop, and right. therefore our weird like bank of references, and like totally. he's he's just like uh, I I actually mean this. He is an American icon. Totally. When yeah. we interviewed yep. uh, Too Short, Too Short obviously mentioned Schooly D as yeah. a huge yeah. influence, and. I mean, there. I mean, it's safe to say there'd be no too short without Schooly D. Absolutely, totally. absolutely. And then I don't know how much this you guys clocked this or if you even cared, but he kind of got like a second resurgence because of Aqua, Aqua Team, Team Hunger, Hunger Force. Force. I was gonna go there. And like, obviously, Doom has uh, Doom's got cuts with the guys from Aqua Team Hunger Force. Yeah. Well, actually, it was like kind of a missed opportunity there to get a Doom and Schooly uh, song oh. on Danger Doom, but yeah. whatever. God damn it, Adult Swim. They had Meatwad on there instead yeah. of Schooly D. <laughs> big, big missed opportunity, I would say. Um, but th- that was, you know, um, I, rem- I was working at the record store at that time, and I was like, word? Yeah. I, I always think it's cool when people get a chance to write somebody a check. Yeah. It's like, yeah, yeah. I don't know who created Aqua Teen Hunger Force off the top of them. Is it Lauren Bouchard? I actually have seen the credits n- um, a number of times, but always while high. I was so. always, yeah, I was always <laughs> smoking weed, so I don't know. You're thinking of Dick Wolf. Cook <laughs> 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 him. Uh, oh, that's hilarious. Yeah, so, I don't I know. know. It's if, if we ever get a show, we have to have, like, uh, Edon write the theme song or right. something, so we oh. can, like, you know, get somebody a, a gig, but well, I don't know. It's cool. Um, but yeah, it's funny. I, I've never been a big full album listener when we were doing our research for this. I was like, I like some songs a huge amount. Mm-hmm. There's a ton of School ED I haven't spent a bunch of time Dude, with. Um, the Saturday Night album is fucking really good. Yeah. And, and yeah. I kind of just fixated on, you know, the big ones that we always, you know, talk about. Totally. And PSK, Gucci Time. Exactly, yeah. exactly. I mean, yeah. And those are incredible. But um, yeah, on Saturday Night, it's like the production is still minimal, but it's kind of a step up. And like yeah. he's he's telling fucking stories, and it's like this is two years before Slick Rick's uh, debut. Totally, uh-huh. I was gonna say mm. it's it, it it shares a ton of DNA with Slick totally. Rick in like totally. the the tone, the maturity. delivery, the maturity, like how it's kind of dirty. This is forty plus years ago. Yeah. it's disgusting. Yeah. Like it's like so funny. Is there a song called "My Big Dick" on <laughs> Saturday Night? Yeah, yeah. Uh, featuring Mr. Lounge. Yeah. <laughs> That's where he got inspired. Uh, yeah. um, and it, shout out to DJ Code Money, like yeah. hugely influential DJ. I was just listening to Saturday Night in my headphones earlier today, and it's like the scratched intro, like the, the you know, not scratched, but like the uh, preview rub. intro, the rubbed intro. Yeah. He, he, Schooly'd love that. <laughs> um, goes on for a lot longer than you would think. Yeah. It's, yeah. Like, it's like, okay, let go. Yeah. Okay. And back in the days of the uh, six and a half minute, Rap song, right. right? Or like you don't know when the engineer's gonna actually press record, so, so you just keep just going. <laughs> He's <laughs> like, I, I pressed record two, two minutes ago. <laughs> keep going, bro. Uh, I asked, I asked the bros to uh, come up with one song that is not PSK or Gucci time to discuss here. And Nate, we'll we'll swing it to you. Your I, song. I cheated and took Saturday night because that's, oh, the that's like ob- number that's three. The only obvious schooly song you didn't say we couldn't talk yeah, about. Yeah, yeah. So um, the cowbell beat is completely iconic, like yeah. instantly recognizable. I actually really, really like the way uh, Questlove did it yeah. um, on the Roots um, version as well. Um, you get your first taste of schooly as like slightly abstract storyteller. Yep. It's just like the the... 
propulsive nature of the narrative. You just don't know yep. what's going to happen next. It's super dope. Um, it unfortunately contains a very prominent F slur. Right, but totally. Those, those were the times. Um, yeah. And you can always make little edits, or I do. When I make my little mixes, I always take that word out. Um, Dave touched on this earlier, but like he like debuts the concept of Chiba Chiba, which yeah. then was later used by uh, the Fugees and many other people. And this girl I went to high school with, who um, she, I didn't know this yet, but she came over to my house after school, and she wanted to smoke weed, but she didn't quite know how to broach the subject. So she's like, I'm a Libra. Oh, and I'm like, I don't. Okay, like I'm a Scorpio. <laughs> You're like I'm a Scorpio. And she's like, you know, Chiba Chiba, y'all. And I was like, oh, let's go in my room. Yeah, yeah, yeah. very cute. Mate. Very cute. This was the most PG Schooly D song <laughs> I've ever, <laughs> I've ever heard. Yeah. Uh, uh, just, so Saturday it's, it's night, just a tremendous song. Yeah, uh, one one of the greats. Absolutely, Dave. Did you also pick Saturday night? Uh, of course I did. <laughs> <laughs> If anybody's listening to this program for the last five years, they yeah. know I did. Yes. Um, <laughs> uh, I mean, to Nate's point, I mean, that's sort of the next obvious one, given your prompt, your limited prompt that you gave us. But um, The prompt was expansive. <laughs> you guys' answers were limited. But continue. continue. No, I mean, there's, I mean, I can't really say anything that Nate hasn't. Um, there's, a, there's a documentary called Big Fun in the Big Town, which is a Norwegian PBS documentary. And uh, uh, School ED is prominently... Um, presented in there and I play for my kids and he's sitting there in like a red tank top talking about Oh, like, I've seen this. Yeah. So amazing. Yeah. So great. Completely unapologetic, you know what I mean? Yep. And if and at that time when people were absorbing hip hop and you think Biz Marquee is outlandish, <laughs> I mean, yeah. Schooly D is just like off the rails, you know. Yep. Everyone's clutching their pearls. So, um, yeah, Saturday night love the album, but like the song a lot and like I said earlier, reminds me of Slick Rick. Yeah, I didn't. Playfulness. I, I, I didn't put that together. It makes perfect sense. To me, I, I get a lot of like, it's a proto freaky tales. Mm -hmm. Yeah, yeah. You know, it's this expansive thing where he's just kind of telling this winding story that is completely X rated right, um, right. and cancelable by today's standards. Did you do smoke some kill? Yeah. I, I didn't do smoke some okay. kill. I'll be smoking some kill after this. <laughs> You're welcome. No, yeah, yeah. Thanks, thanks, Dave. Um, the song that I. I picked was Put Your Feelers On. Mm. And it wasn't, I'll be honest, it wasn't a song that I was actually familiar with. Um, and I see you have not taken the prompt. You have Adidas <laughs> on right now. I, there's a Bruiser Wolf joke I want to make right now, but I'm going to keep I'm going to keep going. Um, more my Adidas. <laughs> Listening to Scooby. Now, what does he say? Now I have to say it. He's like, um, <laughs> selling kilograms, just a Detroit hustler, rocking a Phila brand. <laughs> Totally, totally. Oh, good. Oh, I love it. Oh, so good. I'm sorry, we're on the school D episode though. Um, so put your feelers on. One of the reasons I picked this song is it has this scratch accompaniment where Schooly D is rapping. It's very much in the in the spirit of like sucking MCs, a program drum type of stuff, um, where he's got the kind of vocal effect going on. But he's rapping, and I believe it's Code Money is just scratching for like the whole verse. Yeah. It's like 25 and it's going. It's like but I am recognizing that the voice is yeah, on my head. It, but just for the whole thing. Yeah, yeah. And he keeps just scratching as Schooly D is rapping, but it's not like uh, a fight. It doesn't sound right. cluttered. Yeah. It's um, just that's the beat. They yeah. they had this musicality where Schooly understood how to um, kind of work with the negative space. These are very sparse beats. And the way that they kind of layered his rap, then the scratching on top of it, 
um, very innovative and not something that you heard. It's almost like uh, an invisible scratch pickles practice where somebody's just rapping on top of it, which right. I, for, you know, for 1986, I'm like, this is crazy. Amazing. Yeah. 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 So very forward thinking in terms of like the construction of the music, how raunchy it is, um, you know, just content warning. It does contain some homophobic slurs. And let me just say this from maybe 85 to, I don't know, 92, 93, why was the most like cliffhangery thing you could do is to be like, I thought it was a woman, I but know, it was I a know, man. Totally. I know. <laughs> like, it's so dumb. <laughs> but but people kept doing it right. as if it was like new. Totally. totally. Yeah, like just Tone like, Loke does it, Red Man right, does it. Like right. there's so many raps. The crying game. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. Exactly. <laughs> um, I don't know if either any, any of you guys saw this, but on SNL this weekend, uh, Jennifer Lopez was the musical guest and she brought out Red, Red Man. Man. Yeah. yeah. That was crazy. Totally. Yeah. I totally. was like, Fast forwarding, and then Red Man came out, and I stopped and watched. <laughs> and kept fast forwarding. Good on her. Good for him. Yeah, good, good yeah. for him. That was Speaking great. of like reaching back and, totally. and bringing somebody totally. out, that that's was fantastic. And I will say this, and Schooly D talked about this in an interview, so it connects. Uh, Red Man still has his wind. He can still move. Yeah. He can oh, still yeah. he can still perform, which is not to to be said of all the rappers of his generation. Oh, for sure. Um, so it was yeah, it was dope to see him. On SNL, uh, Nikki Haley, not so much, but it is what it is. Um, but yeah, let's get into it. This is our conversation with hip hop legend, pioneer, Schooly D, Dad by the Rap Pod. people who have moved and shaped hip-hop culture this week is no different we have in zoom the legendary schoolie d how's it going man um i'm all right i'm all right it's going all right i just woke up okay okay <laughs> I, I took i took the day off nice right on like I said, I'm, gonna, well, I'm gonna snooze all day thanks for uh for waking up making the time with us here just gonna talk a little bit about your storied career I'm curious about, you're obviously a pioneer and an innovator in rap. My question is, what was the first rap that you wrote, if you can remember the anecdote around that? And who who were your influences at that time? Um, the first rap I wrote, I burned. Because <laughs> <laughs> it was whack as shit. <laughs> I was... um. I was um trying to I was um which a lot of us were doing trying to sound like we're from New York to the brig, everybody, all that bullshit. <laughs> um so I burned that shit because I got booed. <laughs> <laughs> like I booed by my best friends. They said, What the fuck is that bullshit? Nigga, you Richard Pryor. You be Richard Pryor. Um, so um my influence were guys like the Funky Four Plus One, Busy B. They seemed more 
um, it seemed more like 52nd and Parkside. Like, I liked um, uh, Grandmaster Flash and the Sugar Hill Gang, but I liked their, I liked their, um, their, um, the club stuff that they did, like celebrity club stuff. I like that raw stuff more. Mm-hmm. I like the raw. I like the raw stuff more. So those were anything that was raw. And of course it was like I was um I was gonna, I was gonna listen to like the early, early rap on the internet and and and, and, and did you know that King Tim the Third is they 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 say that they're the first rap record ever. But but when you think about it, it's like um James Brown and those guys, because we yeah. we called rapping back in the day talking. Like, man, I'm gonna rap right. to this bitch over there, man. Right. Nigga, you can't even rap. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? <laughs> and um, so I was trying to I was trying to figure out the other day. I was trying to figure out like, well, so what was the difference between that though? Because because we added a syncopated music to it, which made it a rap record. Rapping was around. Say it loud. I love black and I'm proud. Look, I'm right. black and I'm proud. That was James Brown. They were rapping back then, but they. But they didn't call it rap. They were still singing. Um, But once you added that loop to it, yeah, give everybody come on. Once you added that to it, then it became rap music. Hundred percent. Nice man. Thank you for that. Um, You know, speaking of raps and and speaking of uh, songs, um, we would be remiss not to talk about PSK. And I was wondering if you can just take us back to the day or just the time that you put it together and what you remember about the process and just the, the, the longevity of the song itself. Well, um, that was my third record. My first record came out in 1982. It was called Gangster Boogie and Maniac. My second record came out, which I hated, in um, uh, 84. I put that out. Um... So PSK and Gucci Town was pretty much, it was um, it was given to me. It was just like the homies was just like, yo, man, won't New York guys are always rapping about their neighborhoods. Won't you rap about us, Parkside Killers? Hmm. I'm just going to stick to PSK. And um, my man, uh, Manny, he's, he's going now. Rest, may he rest in peace. He gave me that. He said, man, won't you, walk, won't you rap about Parkside Killers? And pretty much the next day, Cold Money walked up because I was about to quit because I was just like, well, I can't do it the way I want to do it. And I was I was already because I'm an artist. See, let me let me go back to this. I'm not a rapper, a rap artist. I'm an artist who raps. Mm. Okay, I'm an artist who raps. Get his point across sometimes. That's why I'm not a rap artist. I'm an artist who raps. So um, I was just gonna go back to painting, and um, then I met Code. Manny and Cole and Cole came up and said, like, you know, because I fired everybody again. I was always firing everybody. I fired my first band when I was nine. <laughs> <laughs> fired everybody. You're fired, you fucking motherfuckers. Take this shit serious. Like, man, we nine years old. I'm like, so fucking what? <laughs> fired everybody. And that's when I learned how to play five instruments. They had to play all the instruments. So, um, Cole was just like, I heard you fired everybody. I was, I think I'm going to be a new DJ. He was like, he was 17. I was, I, I just turned 21, 20, 20, 23. I think I just turned 23. He was still in high school. So, um, I was like, well, prove it. So he took me around to his grandmother's house and started scratching. I was like, that shit is fat. And, um, we just got the 909. 
mm. um, and as a crew. And it was like, well, they nobody knew what to do with it, so they handed it to me, and nobody seen, nobody, nobody got their hands on that shit after that shit. <laughs> so I wrote, I wrote PSK. Already, I had the music down, uh, but I didn't know what to do with it. Um, then, then, uh, like I said before, uh, just five minutes ago, Manny gave me the idea for PSK, Parkside Kellers and Codes. The scratching was like, um, like most DJs. <clears throat> They scratch to better themselves. Cole was the first guy to actually listen to the lyrics. He was, mm-hmm. he was, he was, he was like my guitar. I was a drum, and he was guitar and the bass, and I was the drum machine and the horn. Um, so he was like, when he did that fresh, fresh, it kind of just gave me that and did quick, 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 fresh, quick, 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 fresh. PSK making that grunt just came out. It just came out. And I wrote it like I wrote Pierce Can Gucci time in one week, and recorded it the next week. And that was um That's incredible. That was that was like July, July nineteen eighty five. I released it in September, nineteen eighty five. That's amazing. Um, sticking with that record for a moment, I've always loved the hand drawn cover. Um, did you did you always like draw? Did like did, was yeah, it just was, like you was, had to do an, an album cover? I was, so I was artist. I was an artist since I was three, seven, so I knew if I was gonna do it, I was gonna. And I was a huge fan of Pedro Bell, Overton mm-hmm. Lloyd. I was a huge fan of like all their art. Um, Ernie Barnes. I, I didn't watch. I didn't. I watched Good Times because of the artwork and Thelma's big ass titties. <laughs> I give a fuck about fuck JJ. <laughs> fuck JJ. Them big ass titties and their artwork. That was what got me. Um. So it was like I knew that if I was going to do it, I was going to do everything. Because the second I um, mentioned Richard Pryor, people go, oh, you know, oh, it can't be, nobody, no one, no, no, no. But to me, it's like, when people say, like, don't you want to be on TV? I'm like, well, Richard Pryor was on TV. Well, don't you want to make movies? Well, Richard Pryor made movies. Mm-hmm. Don't you want to be on the radio? Richard Pryor was on the radio. It might have been after 12 o'clock midnight. But he was still on the radio. So nobody had an argument with me. So I knew that I had to do everything myself. So yeah, it was the, the art and the music goes together. That's so dope. I feel like in a lot of ways, you mentioned Richard Pryor being an, an influence of somebody that you tried to emulate in terms of like blue lyrics. Um, yeah. And I feel like when we look at where rap is today in like gangster rap, you're often cited as the yeah. inventor of that form. I'm wondering how you feel about where rap is today, and do you feel like you've gotten your proper respect or credit for bringing these uh, innovations into the rap game? Well, they say the first guy never get his um his propers. It's always the guy. It's always the guy who's willing to make some money off of it who gets the propers. Right. So, um, so and I was told that that was going to happen to me. It was like, well, you got. You got too much energy. You're too much of an artist. When well, so somebody's going, people going to look at what you do, and 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 make it commercial, because mm-hmm. that's the, that's just the way life works. So I wasn't, it wasn't, I wasn't. If I didn't get that information, I would have been probably surprised. Of the, you still there? Mm-hmm. I would have been surprised. Of um, I would have been surprised. But it was no surprise to me. I live in America, motherfucker. <laughs> I, you know what I'm saying? America eats its young. So I wasn't surprised that. I don't, um, 
um um in my um in my solace I practice stoicism. And which mm-hmm. means that, you know, so looking for constantly looking for outside approval is a no no. Mm. It's nice to get, but you can't you can't I can't survive on it. Um because I tried that and um you know, it was boring running around asking for approval, and I made some money, but I just spent it all on dope and girls. <laughs> so it was it was looking at looking for outside approval wasn't wasn't worth it. But what they also said, let the old cats, if you stay around to the end, you'll get your your just due. Right. And I feel like I'm getting close to the end, so I mean I feel like I'm getting my just due. So that you know I don't I don't. I don't think about that too much. No, well, even with like last year, the hip hop fifty stuff, did did folks reach well, out to I, you? I, Were you a part of any of that? I did a lot of shows and shit, but um, 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 it was fun. It's fun, and I feel honored. I do. I feel like I mean, um, and everybody like like all the all the performers and all the rap artists who are still here. Who still look good and able to do it? Mm-hmm. Everybody, man, everybody's on the A game. It doesn't for me. It doesn't. It's not the competition level is going. It's like everybody's the same playing. Everybody respects everybody. The shows are not haphazard. Like everybody, mm-hmm. like every performer is on is on is on the A game. So of course, yeah. But um, um, but next year is the 50th, 40th anniversary of uh, PSK and Gucci Town. Hey. I'm looking forward to that. That's what that's. That's the one I'm going to gauge. I'm going to see how, see how special that's going to be, 40 years. Because that's 40 years ago. Shit, God damn. Crazy. Crazy, mm-hmm. right? That's it's crazy, right? Hell you yeah. weren't even born. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, well, th- thank you for letting us in a little bit on um, sort of your viewpoint regarding that. Um, I want to touch a little bit on Philly history. Um, can you tell people a little bit about Lady D and her show? I know that it's credited for, uh, or she's credited largely for sort of making your record blow up. So I just, you know, sort of want to hear Lady from B your blew perspective. Up a lot. Philly blew up a lot of cats, man. Mm-hmm. Part of the Isaac Hayes, you know, all those cats, man. Philly, Philly was Philly was one of the main hubs in breaking records. Um, Lady B had a show and came on Sundays on AM radio. And um, it got so much, it got it got so it got got so many so many listens. An artist, and she had a club called After Midnight, um, and she was breaking everybody: Public Enemy, Meg, LL, um, Queen Queen Latifah, Cool Sweet Tea. Which oh man, it was always there. Every, you know, so FM Radio picked her up, um, and uh, she sort of cleaned her act up. <laughs> 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 but she could never clean my act up. She was like, she was one of the first. Who, she was one of the first. who was like, screw, I can't, I can't play this shit until um um until um um I guess so. This is a this was she was still on, on AM. I looked at the, they had these one sheets and told about what how what music was selling that week and if PSK and Gucci Town was climbing up the charts, she couldn't do nothing but play because that's that's how you had to play rap music back then. Mm-hmm. So um um. So when she got the FM, she was like, "Schooly, I really need you to make, I really need you to make some radio edits." I was like, "Dude, I'm an artist. 
Did <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Picasso didn't make a radio edit of his shit. He just put his art out. <laughs> so lady, as far as I'm concerned, Lady B was the first one. She she just showed me how to make a radio edit. She started making my radio edits. Um, just because she didn't say I want to play you, but now I'm on FM. And we got sponsors and yada yada this and yada yada that. I can't get away with all the fucks and shit like that. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> <laughs> so she started. I mean, she took Gucci time. Gucci time is um, six minutes and 45 seconds. She took all the cuss words out. It was almost, it was a little over three minutes. <laughs> that she, that she could play. Um, but um, she, she, she was always, after that, she, she was like, you know what? I, I, she said, I love you being an artist. And, and I did, I remember I did a song called Mr. Big Dick. And that was my single. And of course, RCN job was like, this nigga crazy. So I said, I'm going to win. I'm going to win with this song in the end. We did a video for it also. But, you know, Lady B played it. She played it. She said, I can't say the name. It's called Mr. Big, Mr. Big Richard. But, <laughs> but she played it. She, she played the unedited version. It was played on the radio one time. Unedited, and she did it. She had the balls enough to do it. Damn. She's, to this day, she's still my champion, and um, she still has a radio. She has a radio show. Uh, if I'm gonna listen to this, I'm gonna listen to Mimi Brown, which is also she. She was her, her main competitor on WJAS. Um, uh, Lady B was on ninety nine, Power ninety nine. Um, they 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 flip flopped, but those two women, man, they they really. They really kept hip hop. They really kept rap alive in Philadelphia. Yeah, uh, I feel like Philadelphia. Yeah. Oh, I'm sorry, Nate. Go ahead. It's cool. Um, uh, I was just gonna say, um, this is kind of a random one. A little needs a little bit of a setup. Um, I remember reading a Grub Street article on you back in 2010, and I actually found it before we started today that you eat crazy healthy. That you were drinking like turmeric tea in the morning, you eat flax yeah. seeds, you eat blueberries. Yeah. Like well, that was really inspiring for me back in the day. But like, yeah. can you talk a little bit about your your health and your approach to nutrition? I just found that so fascinating. Well, um, I read this article once, and it said, and it was I was I was, was a doctor, and he was an ex coke fiend. He said, "Vanity saved my life," and I was like, "Hmm, I'm vain." <laughs> <laughs> and um so he said he, he saved himself by all of a sudden just started eating healthy and another thing is it's like it's it's like when you get on stage and, and I, I know for me when i go see somebody play i want to go i want to go see the person that that that, that, that image from the record that i mm. bought um not not so much the videos but more of like well, my my imagination that records, you know, the artwork of the records and those things that I bought. Um, and um, I really, and I hate it when I went to shows and the artists didn't keep themselves in shape. Mm. I, and I just did, and I just felt like I felt like my vanity. Um, 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 um my, my sisters are texting me. I guess they're watching. I don't know. Come interview, <laughs> and um, I just did. Well, I just didn't want to disappoint. Mm. Um, so it was part vain. It was part vain, and the part it was like I just didn't want to disappoint my. I'm 
fanatics, my fans, my fanatics. I didn't want to, I didn't want to disappoint my audience by showing up and not not um not representing the music well. Mm. Uh, that's a great answer. I, I appreciate that perspective. Yeah. Yeah. So that that that's most of it, and, and some of more, and a lot of it is it's like um you know, I was dating a lot of hippies. <laughs> <laughs> you know what I'm saying? We we like it's different. Like like men who smoke weed are like, or our women who smoke weed is like, ping ping ping, hello. My name is my name is Marshmallow. You know what I'm saying? Hundred percent. You know what I'm saying, right? Hundred percent. They won't eat a marshmallow, I, but they'll be a but, marshmallow. But, but, yeah, I would take a lot of marshmallows. <laughs> Damn, and, and, and that's it, hilarious. And they showed me the way. That's that's awesome, man. Uh, as we kind of round it out here, uh, like you said, it's been forty years since your your groundbreaking record. Um, I wonder, as someone like. I have kids, right? And I'm kind of like seeing how they get into hip hop. Do you ever feel a sense of responsibility for like where the game is? Do you feel like in some ways that you you created something that's bigger than you? When I'm, I'm speaking specifically about like raunchy music and, and gangster rap, which a lot of it dates back to you. I mean, that's, that's I, think, I think that's the theme of the day to create something bigger than who as individual artists we are. I mean, it's like, you can't expect it to stay on the corner of 52nd and Park side. Right. Or you can't expect it to, you know, no, no matter how bad New Yorkers rappers wanted to stay in New York and right. have them be the only rappers in the world, it wasn't going to stay that way. It right. had to grow. Um, the misconception is, I think when people bring up gangster rap, it wasn't that what I was saying was gangster, it's the way I did it was gangster. Mm. The way I did it was nobody said I would be able to do it. They said you can't you can't make records that way. Nobody's gonna like your art. Nobody's gonna like your sound. You sound too slow. You sound too high. You cuss too much. We can't play it on the radio. Can't you know? It's so the way I did it was I just I just said fuck it. I did it well. You know if nobody's gonna do it, I just do it myself. And I messed and I did. Um, and and all the gangsters that I real real gangsters. That I met on the way, they were just like, you know what, you got something, kid. You got you got balls, and uh, you you the way you doing this shit is gangster because you can't. I was getting money. I was getting money from the gangsters instead of them getting money from me. Mm. You know what I'm saying? And that's and that's the way I was pulling my thing. So so that's that's why it was gangster rap in my eyes. The way I did it was gangster, and the second part of it was it was um it was just like it grew in. A certain type of person. The certain type was they they weren't they weren't thugs. They were just cats who had to do shit in the street. Mm. And then that was and they and they became known as gangbangers. Instead of but but back in back in the day we we called them gang wars, gang warriors what we called them. But by the eight by the time the eighties and nineties they were called gangbangers. So I attracted a certain level because. You know, I told the truth, even even in my psychotic poetry. It was, you know what I'm saying? I did a lot of shit that they did on Saturday night. Yeah, of course. You didn't go to the party, you get your pistol, you stop, you get some little blow, get some weed, pick up some bitches, call your homie named Bones, you go to the party, somebody step on your new Nikes and shit, get to a fight, you might have to shoot somebody, you go home, it's a bitch, 
your mom is there. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? You're trying to get some pussy. You're 19. Of course, you know what I'm saying? You're 19, 20, 21. That's, that was the life, that was the life of most inner city kids. And, and, and it was, it was beautifully ignorant and innocent. Mm. Because, because we did other shit too. We played handball, we played baseball, played football, played basketball. We went fishing. We worked on cars. You know, so we just raced drag races and shit. You know what I'm saying? We did all this other, we did mm-hmm. all this other shit. You know, which was just not being done anymore. But we did all this other shit. You guys want to hear something funny? Sure. I'm just looking at <laughs> the pot, the Spotify playlist, the Essential Schooly D. Yes. This is the funniest song title I could possibly imagine, given all the stuff we just talked about. The song is "Pussy Ain't Nothing," twelve inch boner mix. <laughs> <laughs> it's so juvenile. It's like you're like a ten year old boy just like got there like access to oh the like God. the, the wow. naming conventions right. of a rap song. It's so That's funny, dude. Oh I guess my it's God. better than the seven inch version. <laughs> <laughs> I feel attacked by that. Oh, I'm sorry. <laughs> oh man. Oh my God. Uh, oh, man. He also <laughs> has songs this is this is so funny. He has a song called I Don't Like Rock and Roll. Yeah. And a song called No More Rock and Roll. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. Well, I think people forget that there was a time when rap was in a pitched battle against rock and, and roll. And won. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> uh, won the day on that. Uh, but, there, yeah, there was definitely a time where it was real cool to, like, shut on rock and roll. And just other genres in general. Right. Totally. Right. Like R&B, like everything. Yeah. It's, Fuck yeah. you, Dixieland. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Absolutely. Uh, speaking of hip-hop legends, your boys got together in real life and watched... A documentary. It was yeah. a field trip. Totally. <laughs> totally. To yeah. my house. Yeah. We went to Nate's house. Um, it, it may surprise y'all that when we when we formed Voltron, we're doing one of two things. We're either podcasting or we're like at just some watering hole, kind of yeah. like standing around. We've never got together to like listen to music. So maybe we should try that at some point. Yeah. But um we definitely you make a good point. Yeah, there was an activity to this time, though. Yes, so. yes. yes. We watched the Biz documentary yeah. on. Nate graciously uh, had us over. Yeah, on uh, Paramount Plus, I think it's a mass appeal documentary. Um, there was some trepidation when the uh, Biz puppet showed yeah, up. Yeah, yeah. Everyone was like, "Huh, what are we doing here?" And then I think they carried it through. Yeah. Now that I saw it, I feel like I get it. You know what I mean? Uh, reading it, I think it just comes off very just weird and wrong, yeah. kind of. But it it sort of gives the wife. A moment to breathe and sort of give her perspective, and it's done, you know, as respectfully as you, as you can, can do, do with the puppet, with the fucking biz puppet. Yeah, it's it's uh the the name of the doc is all up in the biz, uh, pr- produced and written, directed by uh, Sasha Jenkins. Shout out to Sasha Jenkins. So cool. Um, and yeah, it just kind of chronicles the life of Biz Marquis. Incredible art. Archival footage, yes, yes. him and Rakim in high school, right, like right. when Rakim was Kid Wizard, oh. incredible, man, just incredible. just so dope. Um, and they talked to a lot of key figures and also Nick Cannon. Um, <laughs> 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 nice. 
I didn't understand the degree to which Nick Cannon and Biz's timelines intersected, right. and now I still wish I didn't. But I think like three or four of his kids are named after Biz. Is I'm that right? <laughs> The other 15 aren't. No. Um, this is Bizzard. Um, <laughs> just kidding. So, but it, it covers it, it covers his his ascent from being a, a foster kid, his his childhood friends, um, his gorgeous wife. I didn't yeah. I didn't understand that his wife was in like all the 90s right. R&B videos. I fr- I think uh, our friend of the program Cutso, we were sitting around talking about this at some watering hole yeah. uh, some other time and he's like she wasn't a video vixen she was a video lady <laughs> <laughs> she's like a, a classy model a who happened yeah. to be in some there was no rump she wasn't in rump shaker yeah. you know what i mean right. these are like right. boys right. to men yeah. type right. ass videos so totally good distinction shout yeah. out to the to the homie cutso who's who's uh, was just at nam doing doing cutso things yes, yes uh but yeah the doc was super dope in the sense that somebody who we regard as like the clown prince, you got to see he had other facets. He was actually the big dog of 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 his clique. You see him mentoring Big Daddy right. Kane. Which is like honestly, if you just know them through the recorded music, inconceivable. Right. It's right. just like, right. huh? You're right. the guy who has your shit together? Yeah. That doesn't make sense. Right. It was right. so cool. Yeah, because because Biz's character is so outlandish, you would think he was kind of an untogether dude. Right. But right. he had a, a musical vision. I totally. think that's what I took away from yeah. it. That everything was deliberate, you know. And because he's clownish, you sort of figure he's not going to be the mastermind behind it. But he kind of was. He was the nucleus for it. Yeah. Uh, even from aesthetically, they go through his storage, and he's got the 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 classic Bismarck he had. Yes. They talked to his jeweler about some of the pieces he had designed. Dapper Dan about Dapper the outfits. Yes, right. Yeah. Right. Uh, Dougie Fresh is in it. Just all the characters that you would want to, you would want to hear from and like the genius of Biz is expounded upon. And there's a somewhat touching scene where Master Ace yes, um, yes. kind of... Uh, he, he apologizes. Apologizes for yeah. me and the Biz, which I didn't know the whole backstory of it mm. too. So um, super revealing documentary and I still was kind of wincing through the puppetry parts. <laughs> um, but at the same time, Biz was a cartoonish character. Uh, he lived his life in a way that if the shit was too serious, it wouldn't be Biz. Totally. Right? totally. Yeah. I think well, for something like that, they did it as tastefully as possible. As you could do, as you could do it. One of sure. the things that I have been thinking about recently is how Biz, it, after his, like, you know, not, not, not when he was done with rapping, but when he was more of a DJ. Let's yeah. say that, yeah, right? We all understand that yeah. transition in his career, why he made it, et cetera, et cetera. He would just go to Fat Joe's store and work the register. Yeah, yeah. that's it's crazy. Like he, he is such an idiosyncratic person. It's totally. like, I, I, I am a huge Bismarcky fan. One of the last things I did when I was moving this weekend is take down my Bismarcky poster Aww. from my room. That's how you knew it was over. Yeah, totally. <laughs> it's like just one tier. Yeah. And uh, what, how do command strips work? Uh, my <laughs> wife said it would not fuck up the wall, but how do I get it off my poster? Uh, um, anyway, um, just like as someone I, I hold in the highest regard and really think like the the way I approach hip hop, which is to like think about it deeply but not take it too seriously, yeah. Yeah. is he really informed it. by right. Biz's whole deal. Um, if you just get a little peek behind the curtains and uh, to see him interact with his wife's daughter, his stepdaughter, yeah. is so interesting. Amazing. And like... Um, how tight they were, and right. it, she was like, "It's like having two kids." Yeah, basically, yep. it, it was so cool. And it, I didn't remember 
how great his scene was in Men in Black 2. Oh, yeah. I went back yeah. and rewatched that, and it's yeah. like the whole thing of like if somebody's an alien, yeah. Bismarck he would be an alien. Yeah, it's just like th- I just thought it was actually very respectfully done and very coolly done, and like Biz was everywhere, man. Totally. He was so great. Totally. And you know, like he uh, wasn't one to give much away through his music. I mean, we all kind of feel like we know him because it, it has such a universal quality to it. And, you know, and all the childhood connections. But it was really cool, to, like you said, to see his, like, um, family and his kids and his, and his wife. A personal life uh, kind of played out because he, he, he was a whole ass human being. Um, and I think the documentary does a great job of capturing that. Um, we may be in the golden era of the hip-hop documentary. There used to be a time when either you, the whole culture got covered, like, it was only worthy of doing this meta scan of the whole thing, or, like, just the biggest like scandalous things like how many biggie verse Tupac documentaries there are but now we're getting to this place where you could do really thoughtful humanistic pieces about hip hop's legacy figures so i'm i'm excited where where's the rock him story like right. Right. You know what I'm saying? Where is the Big Daddy Kane? I would watch before? an entire documentary on his outfit he wears in this documentary. Oh. <laughs> He's yeah. got the New York Giants, Phil Sims. Yeah. Not LT, Phil Sims. Well, Rakim w- went to the store and put his credit card down to buy a Phil Sims jersey. You have jersey? to understand about Rakim, and I know this from reading half of his book. Um, <laughs> he he really wanted to be a quarterback. So he was, he was a quarterback at, um, I think it's like a D2 school in New York, and he's like, had I been able to be first string when I started there, I might not have rapped. Like, he imagined himself... if the coach would have put me in in the fourth quarter, we would have won state. Even Rakim has some Uncle Rico, is what I'm saying. (laughs) Right. Uncle Rack. Yeah. yeah. (laughs) So I could... New York guy of a certain age, I I could could definitely uh, see it. uh, We talked about it during the documentary. I probably stepped on a lot of the jokes in the documentary. Don't understand wearing the towel and then the hat over it. I'll never understand oh. it. Yeah, but that's that was Rakim's deal in this. Documentary. You don't live with humidity, bro. <laughs> <laughs> Have you tried rocking a fitted in humidity? I li- literally sweating his technique. <laughs> <laughs> Not the juice that we want, though. Oh, sorry. <laughs> He's got enough to go around. <laughs> Amazing. There's a photo that came up on a. Twitter recently of Rakim in high school playing sax. I've seen that before. It's yeah. fucking awesome. Yeah, you're just like, wow. So I think as as hip-hop ages and we get to see more of these intimate portraits, it's incredible to see people like, oh, you're just like an uncle now. You know what I mean? Like, you right. see the, the some chick that, not some chick, a woman that Biz was pining after um, the, 50 years ago. The what goes around comes around part is one of the best parts of this documentary. Yeah, yeah, yeah. He like Folks. haunted the old neighborhood to make sure the girl he's talking about in like a pretty bad way will be in the video. Yeah. And she does. And she's in the video. <laughs> it's amazing. <laughs> yeah. Totally. He's so petty. And that right. is like an underrated part of his uh, legacy that is covered pretty well in this documentary. And, well, it, he, and Vapors kind of crystallizes this. He's the master of like the comeback. Like, you slept on me, you thought I wasn't that That's, dude. It, it's oh, every, right. it, a third of his songs are about that. Totally, yeah. Yeah. totally. And yeah. you get to see kind of the real-life um, roots of that, of, of being slept on and underestimated um, and going harder than anybody. So, uh, shout-out to uh, Sasha Jenkins, great documentary. Uh, Come on the show. Please. Yes. Uh, definitely shout-out shout out to the biz. Uh, you know the biz here at Dad Bod Rap Pod. We are on Instagram at DadBodRapPod. We are on Twitter at DadBodRapPod. We are on Patreon, patreon.com slash DadBodRapPod. Um, 
we have a, a treat coming up for y'all. Blockhead was actually in the Bay Area um, last month, and I got to hang out for him with him a little bit and talk about porn. So, <laughs> wow, what a treat! Yeah, yeah. <laughs> so that conversation, our little spinoff uh, segment, talk like sex, will be coming out. And next we'll put time that you on. guys do it, not in person necessarily, but next time you guys do a Zoom one, can I come in for like ten minutes and just tell Blockhead what I've been wanting to tell him about your guys' segments? Which uh, is that absolutely. His advice is not relevant to me because he's too confident. <laughs> it's like I listen to those and he's like, yeah, you know, just tell the girl whatever and just move on to the next one. And I'm like, mm, what if you want to like think about that right before you fall asleep for four years? <laughs> the, like, you're, you're, that would be more relevant. You're to like, my could you situation. give me the five, six version of what I should do? <laughs> yeah, exactly. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. Cock blockhead. <laughs> uh, blockhead is a tall guy and he has tall guy energy. Like yeah. he just, yeah. he comes through like right. he's, he's right. a very confident cat. And I think, um, that's what makes this this little. But you, you guys need someone so on cool. the show who's not like a confident like hip hop artist. You need someone who's like, well, it, a normal person here would like <laughs> send her flowers. Right. You know what I mean? It's like no, no more power forwards. Yeah. Just like guards, guards. <laughs> you need a little Muggsy Bogues in there. Uh, don't let don't let the short kings dissuade you. These are great. These are these are cool. No, they're super fun. I always love listening to you guys banter, and I it's uh, like I I love that you've launched a spinoff, and oh, you right. actually will put it on the main feed. Yeah, yeah. All my yeah. spinoffs Here are on the it. Patreon. Speaking of which, Dadbod. Nope. patreoncom dadbodrapod. You can find all of my failed ideas. <laughs> <laughs> I thought you were gonna make an announcement. No, don't. I don't. I don't really have anything to announce at the moment, except for that. The Patreon is a fun place to talk about music, and you yeah. can join it for a relatively low price. Yeah. And, uh, you know, you get to hear about things first, and you get inside peeks behind the show. You get your own segments. Um, that, that at times, it can be quite interactive. We do polls. We do kind of everybody throw up a TV show you like, uh, music that you like. There, I've learned a ton from the Patreon community. Some of the, the – most of them are dudes. They're not all exclusively dudes. Most of the dudes are so cool and genuine people. Yeah. They're just really, really – Really, really awesome folks, and I've enjoyed Great getting to know them. Yeah, absolutely. Great community. You can join it $5 a month or $51 a year. That's patreon.com slash dad bod rap pod. Uh, we're at it. This is year six. But. Um, and no tricks. We in the mix. <laughs> dad bod rap pod.